0: hey, we're back. The colonial court refused to make any decision on the case, but they said, hey, here's a settlement offer.
1: Shout out to that court for putting the settle in settlement.
0: Driving force of being engaged in a liberation struggle is because you love life. Because we want to live freely and equally, and we don't want to sit under bombs in Gaza. We don't want to have our movement restricted. We want to be able to travel and go to school and work where we want and not be arbitrarily detained, not be shot while we're on our way to our sister's wedding, like Ahmed Erika. Nobody loves life more than the one who has been deprived of it. A lot of people have been speaking about the Israeli government's meltdown and and an incredibly disproportionate response to decision by Ben and Jerry's.
1: I, I thought they handled it well. Personally.
0: <laughs> Women in the army, right, holding babies in Afghanistan.
1: That's Mamala Harris's dream, okay? <laughs> Breastfeeding a baby through the uniform. <laughs>
0: before we get into today's episode please like comment and subscribe if you're here on youtube if you're listening on a podcast app subscribe and leave a review if you can as always you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com and if you want to get involved in the conversation please reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on instagram at the palestine Pod. hey we're back took a little time off that's okay you're allowed to have time off as an activist. Self-care is a part of an activist profile. Because I was having like this reflection while I was away. No resistance movement is sustainable if it's built on a foundation of activists who never take breaks. And just the importance of honoring the human being as... A complex and complete being that needs to have its own needs fulfilled before we can help our own people or help the people that we stand in solidarity with. I just wanted it to be a part of this revolutionary worldview, right? And I wanted to make a comment about this capitalist culture that we live in that is urging constantly productivity without respect for human life or dignity. People take your time off and come back strong because it's, yeah. it's a marathon.
1: Shout out Nipsey Hussle. It's a marathon.
0: Resistance itself if you're involved in liberation struggles, resistance itself is commitment to life. And I think people forget that when they're involved in the day-to-day of being an activist. It's like, why are we posting all this stuff? Why are we going to rallies? Why are we engaged in supporting BDS? All of this is because fundamentally we believe in freedom, liberation, living a dignified life. I think it's really important to keep in mind that nobody loves life more than the one who has been deprived of it. Because for the Palestinian, for example, everything that they do becomes a struggle for life and resistance to colonial violence, right? We are not accepting the fate that has been handed to us. We're not just laying down and dying. And because of that, our colonial occupiers are imposing on us tremendous violence and brutality and so just keep in mind the driving force of being engaged in a liberation struggle is because you love life like that's why we do this because we want to live freely and equally and we don't want to sit under bombs in gaza we don't want to have our movement restricted we want to be able to travel and go to school and work where we want and all of those things, not be arbitrarily detained, not be shot while we're you know, on our way to pick up a car for our sister's wedding, like Ahmed Erika, I was just having a lot of these thoughts about like, what am I doing in my time away? Like, should I be away? You know, is this necessary?
1: Palestinians are penalized for having the audacity to envision something better than the cards that have been dealt. Something better than an arbitrary foreign occupation dictating every part of their life palestinians are viciously penalized simply because they will not accept what is they know what could be
0: that's exactly it that's exactly it so just keep loving life take your breaks come back and do it over again. You know, that's it. That's really all. Hello, and welcome to episode twenty-two of the Palestine Pod, the mostly weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host Mikey B.
1: What's up, y'all? Mikey B. on TikTok michael scherzer on instagram and mikey intifada if you've been super concerned about women's rights in afghanistan
0: yeah (laughs) that's like is that what the zionists are doing these days they don't
1: care about women or children in palestine kick them out the way any woman or child in afghanistan they love a good photo op
0: yeah for sure
1: babies and soldiers
0: who do bring up a good point i mean i i I'm sure you saw the propaganda photos that are circulating of the U.S. US Army, women in the Army, right, holding babies in Afghanistan.
1: That's Mamala Harris's dream, okay? (laughs) That's the epitome of Mamala is a foreign occupation soldier dressed up, breastfeeding a baby through the uniform.
0: Like, do they think that everybody is stupid?
1: They do. They do think a lot. think a lot of people are stupid (laughs) and frankly a lot of people are because a lot of people ate that garbage up
0: yeah i mean come on though it's been like literally 20 years right 20 years of invasion occupation militarism murder drone attacks it's been longer it's been longer right
1: goes back to the 1950s when the United States got involved in lending aid for development projects in Afghanistan, and there was a company that predated USAID, and then USAID took over You know, loans, economic development, et cetera, which is just destabilizing the economy, getting them economically entrenched in debt to where they are politically unable to decide their own fates.
0: Yeah, foreign intervention has many different facets and control over other people and nations' assets, resources, futures. It's it's more than just military invasion.
1: That doesn't even involve the Mujahideen, right? That came afterwards mm-hmm. in the 70s and the 80s. Brzezinski, who his daughter, Mika, is a television personality still to this day on morning joe so you're still getting the the big new good old-fashioned logic mm-hmm. coming to you through your televisions and probably you know i don't know they, they got a podcast we probably do better though and <laughs> and so it's like his influence is still to this day with us nonetheless he was one of the main driving forces in funding the Mujahideen and osama bin laden and we all know how the rest turned out
0: yep and if you have any doubt just go google that video of hillary clinton saying the exact same thing because that's what was convenient at the time and then that video came to bite her in the ass years later right
1: there was a new york times article that referred to osama bin laden as an anti-soviet warrior Yes. On behalf of the United States.
0: Yes. Yes. And a glorious, so, glorious headline.
1: So, you know, it's been a 20-year-long resupply, basically, oh. of military weapons. And now they're doing what they'd planned to do. Right. The Zionist occupation has bombed Gaza, broken the ceasefire, demolished houses and shops in Silwan and Lifta escalated brutality and ethnic cleansing of the families in Sheikh Jarrah, demolishing houses in Jerusalem, repeatedly invading the Al-Aqsa compound with armed terrorist settlers attempting to normalize their presence in what was one of the only places Palestinians could seek refuge from the occupation if they were allowed to go. Those settlers will never fit in. Like the trees they brought with them from Europe, they will forever look out of place. The occupation has murdered multiple children in the past few weeks. A sniper shot one child in the neck at a protest. A Palestinian man fought back, as Palestinians are legally allowed to do. He fired a pistol into the hole in the wall that the sniper was using to target unarmed Palestinians, and he critically injured a member of the terrorist organization, the IDF. Ladies, that's a husband. The occupation is imprisoning students such as Leanne Nasir and seven other girls who are held without cause at the occupation's Damon Military Prison, Mondawais reports. Maryam Barghouti reports Fadi Quran and Obey Alobedi continue to be detained by the Palestinian Authority, although I believe that they were both just released due to international pressure. Nonetheless, they faced physical, emotional, and psychological repression. They were being held for challenging the systemic violence, and they were both on hunger strike.
0: It looks like it's a lot of business as usual for apartheid Israel and its collaborative Palestinian Authority, suppressing all forms of dissent coming out of Palestinian grassroots organizers and arresting students killing in gaza it's really just more of the same
1: yeah i don't have anything to add to that
0: yeah okay (laughs) i mean that's the it's like for me it's it's crazy because we're coming out of this unity intifada right in, in in may and a lot of the the energy was focused on this question of is this the turning point like is this when The apartheid state falls? Is this when we, you know? I mean, I think a lot of us were asking that question because we had lived, we were living through something unprecedented and we had never seen this type of public support for Palestinian liberation and this global outcry. I mean, it was really something that was certainly unprecedented in the last, you know, two, some decades of organizing, but really even unique in terms of Palestinian history, not because we haven't been resisting the entire time, we certainly have. And every generation that, you know, has come forward and replaced the generation before it has continued the struggle for liberation. But because there was this sort of international attention, right? And especially in the United States towards what was happening that perhaps we had not seen before. And so part of it for me was like, well, okay, so are we going to start seeing some changes? Are, Are you know is is the situation on the ground going to change at all? Immediately, I don't think any of us were naive to think that, okay, you know, there was going to be this overnight shift, but to see now that, you know, we're in August, it's several months later, and it seems like the apartheid state has continued in its very aggressive and violent and brutal policies towards Palestinians, wherever they are in historic Palestine, be it in Gaza and the occupied West Bank and occupied Jerusalem or in forty-eight. Palestinian authority is cracking down on Palestinian dissent and doing Israel's dirty work and it continues to do so with no shame whatsoever. And the organizers, the grassroots movement continues to resist. It shows that, you know, even though the global attention has perhaps died down, Palestine had its moment, you know, in the news for that for that month, right? Where everybody was, you know, everybody's attention was turned, turned towards Palestine. Even though that has sort of you know, faded, I think if anything, it really just confirms that whether we have the attention or not, we are going to continue to resist. And it just doesn't matter how violent and brutal the occupation continues to be towards us. We have no other option but resistance. And I think a lot of people were tired after... The unity uprising. I think uh, a lot of people had expended a lot of energy and not a lot of time. People slept very little. There was a lot of organizing. If you were on the ground in Palestine, I can't even imagine. I mean, I know just even the organizers in diaspora were working around the clock, but certainly in Palestine, living it around the clock and continue to be living it. The issues that were the impetus for the global intifada are not resolved, right? So the colonial court refused to make any decision on the case, but they said, hey, here's a settlement offer, you can stay in your houses for an undetermined period of time. So it could be like a month, it could be a week, could be a few years. There was no guarantee or minimum guarantee of the amount of time they could stay in their home. But the ownership of the house would have to be acknowledged to be for the settlers, right? And so, I mean, what kind of a what kind of a settlement is that? I mean, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous.
1: Shout out to that court for putting the settle in settlement. right? Heavy settler vibes in that courtroom. Heavy on the settle. Light on the mint.
0: So, exactly. So, of course, they rejected it, right? That's insane. We're not going to do that. That goes against everything that they're struggling for, which is the right to remain on their land.
1: I would anybody give up their house, give up ownership of their house, acknowledge anybody else owns their house when they own their house. That's a ridiculous thing to ask somebody to do. It's um, especially when you're not even meant to be in that neighborhood. Under international law, you have no claim to East Jerusalem. You're not even supposed to be in that neighborhood, Papa. Why are you? No. Why are you trying to tell people who owns what? Everybody showed up at the courtroom,
0: right? I was watching the lives that day. First of all, the entire thing was in Hebrew. There was absolutely no Arabic interpretation, which again is a violation of due process and all of these norms that you're supposed to respect You know, in a courtroom when you live in like a free society that respects human rights. They didn't even know what the court was saying. You have members of the, the panel, the, the court who are settlers themselves who live in settlements. So talk about having an independent and impartial judicial body. I mean, that's out of the question. At one point, I was reading tweets that the judges were cracking jokes with the settlers, the members of the settler organizations, and they were laughing in between breaks. Again, in Hebrew, nobody could understand, right? So what What kind of a court are we talking about here? I mean, what is this? This is just, it's just, I mean, you'd get more justice going on,
1: what, like Judge Judy? Hey, don't Don't you dare do that. Judge Judy Judge Judith Scheinland is a fantastic <laughs> woman. Okay. And she's brought more justice to the United States than the justice system.
0: Yeah, look, I don't know. I all I know is that all of my friends who live in LA, like many of them, their claim to fame is that they were on Judge Judy. And I oh. I would be surprised if you have not yet been on an episode.
1: We wouldn't we wouldn't use it as a credit. We wouldn't brag about that personally. <laughs> not me. That said. We would call this court a kangaroo court, but I don't want to be rude towards kangaroos. They've done nothing wrong. They're they're frankly better.
0: I fully agree. I don't even know where that term comes from. It's so rude against Mm -hmm. the kangaroos. Okay, so the next story is something which I think is super important in the context of the ongoing BDS successes. All of you have obviously by now heard about the decision by Ben and Jerry's to halt sales of their very infamous ice cream in the settlements on occupied Palestinian land. And you've also probably heard of the absolute insane response by Israel and its supporters, I mean, actually members of the government, right, in response to this decision by Ben and Jerry's. So for example, you have You know, the Israeli foreign minister, Yair Lapid, who said that the Ben and Jerry's move was a, quote, disgraceful capitulation to anti-Semitism, to BDS and to all that is evil in the anti-Israel and anti-Jewish discourse. Lapid also vowed to press more than two dozen U.S. states that have passed this anti-BDS legislation that we've talked about a lot on the show, targeting BDS movement to enforce these laws against Ben and Jerry's. So they want the these states to crack down on Ben and Jerry's for participating in or supporting the BDS movement by deciding to stop selling ice cream on occupied land. A lot of people have been speaking about the Israeli government's meltdown and, and it incredibly disproportionate response to this.
1: I I thought they handled it well, personally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of other Israeli officials have opined on this decision. Uh, The Israeli prime minister, Naftali Bennett, warned the CEO of Unilever, the multinational that owns Ben and Jerry's, saying that he should prepare for, quote, severe consequences. Again,
1: what are we talking about? That's right. Hey, if they keep this up, They're going to call in the cookie monster or something. You know, like it's going to get very serious.
0: I mean, it's so absurd, right? These guys are threatening. Uh, I don't know, man. So Bennett says there are many ice cream brands, but only one Jewish state. And quote, Ben and Jerry's has decided to brand itself as the anti-Israel ice cream. Right. Okay.
1: I think New New York is actually a Jewish state. I don't know if you've ever been. (laughs) We got it. We got good representation there.
0: Yeah. And then you have also the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Gilad Erdan, who basically says he's urging U.S. officials to, quote, consider speaking out and take punitive measures, quote, including in relation to your state laws and the commercial dealings between Ben and Jerry's and your state. So, again an Israeli government official is telling U.S. officials that their local policies should, in their own states, should be influenced, determined, whatever, by things that are happening in Israel. Because what's more important than what's going on in Israel to Americans, right?
1: Hey, isn't it weird how sometimes we'll be like, I think that they have too much influence in American politics. And then people will be like, what do you fucking hate the Jews? You know, then they stop selling ice cream in the West Bank and other places. And they have a full on conniption.
0: They're drawing so much attention to the fact that this is a very scary moment for them. Yeah. Right? That's really what this is all about. They are indicating to the world that this is a big threat to the apartheid state. Totally. And I think, you know, the most important aspect of this whole decision is the precedent that it sets. I think this is something that Mohammed Al Kurd also said. And he's absolutely right. Now you have a door which has been opened by Ben and Jerry's, because this is the first moment, and there's been a lot of BDS victories, don't get me wrong, but this particular one is unique in that it's the, it's the first time that you have a company of this stature. It has this international recognition. It has this, it's really mainstream, right? That sets a precedent for other companies of the same stature to do the same thing.
1: Also, it's run by Jews, and, right? So it's Jews saying, nah, this is not right, which is extremely dangerous for the occupation because it's not just the economic impact, right? If it was a company of that size, like yeah, it'd be a bit still a big deal. But because it's run by Jews, calling them anti-Semitic is as silly as calling me anti-Semitic because Jews have And a special ability and I think a special responsibility to speak out about what's happening in the name of Judaism, so to speak, right? They have hijacked Judaism and melded it with Zionism to a place where if you criticize one, you're accused of being hateful towards the other. And so this company run by Jews, international acclaim, has said, no, they're not the same thing. And that's extremely dangerous to the occupation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something really strange, too, that caught my eye was that there are even some Zionists calling on Jewish religious bodies. So we're talking about this conflation, right? They're calling on Jewish religious bodies around the world to withdraw Ben and Jerry's kosher certification. And apparently, according to the Electronic Intifada, one rabbinical organization in Australia has reportedly already done so.
1: Well, let me tell you something about Jews. We don't really like dairy. So a lot of us have IBS. Our tummies hurt, right? And we weren't eating a ton of ice cream to begin with. But definitely you can see how they're trying to flex their influence in all circles. They went code red when this happened and said, let's try and hit people at the local government. Let's go to local Councils, right? <laughs> like, and try and influence in any way that we can.
0: Yeah. So that's not even the craziest part about this whole story. About six days ago, and I'm so happy that we waited until now to report on this story because a lot of the major commentary came out in the immediate aftermath, of course, of the Ben and Jerry's decision and now it's been a few weeks where it's been kind of quiet on this story. But as I was doing research- If for the I show, may,
1: the, the rocky road has settled.
0: <laughs> yeah. exactly. How many ice cream puns can we get into this episode? In the last couple of days, Unilever, the parent company of Ben & Jerry's, has moved to block an Israeli knockoff of the Ben & Jerry's brand. So get this, you guys. An Israeli NGO- has attempted to seize the Ben & Jerry's trademark in the West Bank following the decision that Ben & Jerry's is no longer going to sell its ice cream there. I'm literally not making this up. The Jerusalem Post has reported that Sharad Hadin Israel Law Center has claimed that Ben & Jerry's has quote abandoned its trademark in the West Bank. And as a result, it has now registered a commercial entity with the Israeli registry of corporations called, quote, Judea and Samaria's Ben and Jerry's. The plan involved I'm reading direct like this is I am reading from the Jerusalem Post. Okay. the plan involved selling, quote, Judea and Samaria's finest frozen chosen people. End quote. Complete with a portrait of Theodore Herzl, the founder of the modern Zionist movement, on the packaging. Ben and Jerry's... (laughs) Unilever basically responded to this by saying, please note that we deem any use of the trademark or trade name Ben and Jerry's to be a violation of our intellectual property rights. And... They also added that Unilever and Ben and Jerry's reject completely and repudiate unequivocally any form of discrimination or intolerance. Anti-Semitism has no place in society. So obviously they have to say that as well, even though these guys are literally trying to steal their trademark and make a brand new Ben and Jerry's ice cream that's like expressly Zionist. It's very bizarre. I'm looking at the photo. I can't. I mean, is this is this satire? I don't understand. The Jerusalem Post is not satire, right?
1: Yeah, it feels like an onion article.
0: It's not though. It's the Jerusalem Post. Like they are not satire. Like, am I no. crazy?
1: They I have, have to... no they have no sense of humor over there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wait, hold on. I like just for a second. Is the Jerusalem Post satire? I have to I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is, I don't know.
1: You know, that seems totally unlike them to just steal something and slap their face on no, it. No,
0: because because hold on, the Harida L- Law Center right? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a real place, right? That's a real.
1: Yeah. It's a real article. I know that I read about it as well. Oh, You
0: did. Okay. 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 Yeah.
1: <laughs> you thought that this, you actually thought this is. I thought you were just doing that as a bit.
0: No, I thought it was real. I thought yeah, it was no, it's, real.
1: It's a real story.
0: I thought it was real. And as <laughs> I'm, Reading it to you, I'm like starting to be like, wait, what if this isn't real?
1: No, it's a real story. And it just shows how bold they are that they are like, well, fuck you. We're going to steal your product and sell it anyways. And then the parent company was like, well, we've got lawyers, actually. <laughs> Even crazier than the intellectual property theft of Ben and Jerry's ice cream is the fact that there is a Zionist-backed app directing a troll army in an attempt to influence online conversations surrounding the Ben and Jerry's decision to halt operation. The Israeli online platform act.il was developed in june 2017 to recruit and organize a troll army of thousands of people to insert themselves in digital discussions regarding palestine has directed its users to wade in on the decision the app urges trolls to comment under relevant facebook Twitter posts from various news organizations, including the Daily Mail, the New York Times, criticizing Ben and Jerry's decision. Comment on these posts stating that boycotting does nothing to solve the quote unquote conflict. And like all pro-Israel comments that you can, one alert stated as documented by at anti-BDS app, a Twitter account that monitors all Act.il's activities. The anti BDS app has more missions today, targeting an additional 12 plus news articles on Facebook and Twitter to complain about Ben and Jerry's. This was reported July 21st, 2021. So it's like, bruh, if you've ever been online, then you've talked to one of these people who's probably a 13 year old getting paid. American taxpayer money to talk shit online. Yeah. It's it's why we don't engage with them, right? Mm-hmm. It's why we're getting paid
0: overtime.
1: Right. We're not getting paid <laughs> no, for this.
0: No.
1: You think I'm gonna waste my Twitter thumbs? Uh by the way, I got kicked off Twitter. We should address that. The Zionist did kick me off Twitter. What
0: did you got lose me. Your, when did you lose your Twitter account?
1: Couple couple weeks ago.
0: And you can't get actually, it back
1: can't get it bad they kicked me off for real for real they nuked my account and let me tell you they thought that they were like doing something to harm me but it's actually been the best thing for my mental health it's been truly it. fantastic to not be on twitter and yeah so i just want to say thanks to the zionists who kicked <laughs> me off of twitter uh, it's been pretty good for me it's been it's been good i've had a lot of growth as been a result therapeutic
0: yeah yeah look twitter's a it's a different battleground you know
1: yeah it's like if virginia Woolf could tweet everything you know it's like a stream of consciousness of just depression
0: yeah it's a lot it's a lot
1: i've never opened twitter and then got off and been like i feel better now right oh, yeah it's yeah, always it's always like someone's got the nuclear code right? <laughs> and it's like that's just
0: how i feel oh god oh the anxiety like the constant the 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 the, what is it the fight or flight right yeah twitter is just fight or flight you're just always in it
1: it seems like just fight or fight honestly (laughs) like there's not even the option to run they will just (laughs) drag you into a fight
0: oh yeah well, hey, look, uh, we, we're on Twitter. We're not super active, but we post our, we do get a lot of people that are you know, engaging with us. So that's good. But um, we post our episodes there as well. Something I wanted to add, which I think is critical for us to clarify about this Ben and Jerry's decision is that a lot of people came to me after the July 19th decision and were like, Laura, no, this isn't that great because the company said that they're going to stay in Israel beyond 2022 and oh this is only pertaining to the settlements so this what this decision will do is it will further entrench the notion that there is a distinction between the occupied land in the west bank and then 48 and it will legitimize israel as an entity within the 48 borders as i was doing research i came across a guardian article written by one of the vermont organizers that was involved in doing the years of work on the ground, trying to get Ben and Jerry's to actually take this decision. So this was part of a targeted BDS campaign by Vermont Palestinian solidarity organizers. Basically what the article is saying is that this part of the statement where they say that, okay, this decision will only apply to the occupied territories was not actually written by the company's independent board, but it was written by the parent company Unilever. And according to the Guardian article, the independent board does not actually intend to keep doing business in Israel. So this is actually really good news. And there seems to be a little bit of discord between the parent company and the independent board. But it's important to keep in mind that it's the independent board that actually has the authority and the power to actually take the decisions affecting the company so a lot of people reacted to the article that came out that was written by Ben and Jerry right because some parts of it were okay and other parts of it were like you can support Israel while not liking what Israel does you know and so then it was like eh not so great right but again it doesn't really matter what they say because at the end of the day it only matters how the independent board will act so this is something that's really essential to keep in mind.
1: They hit you with that that old time flavor of liberal Zionism, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, we recognize we recognize the taste of that statement.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, liberal Zionism so easy to spot, right? You know, anywhere. It's like uh, in your video. <laughs> I lo- actually that's my favorite Zionist that you do in the video where you're like, uh, yeah, I don't really recognize any rights. <laughs> But I do think that we should live in peace.
1: Yeah, the way they talk to you, it's like they're charming a snake. It's so offensive, right? Like it's honestly, it's those um media train tactics that people get, you know, where they're like supposed to give off empathetic vibes, but instead they actually give off serial killer vibes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, long
1: story short,
0: the Ben and Jerry's decision is a great first step that I hope a lot of other companies will follow and not only focusing on Israeli settlements, but to Israel as a whole, because the settlements obviously don't operate in a vacuum. They are supported entirely by the Israeli economy and government. And so it doesn't make sense to punish them in isolation or to target them in isolation good news. We'll keep following it. The trademark story is weird. Just confirmed that it, it is real because it was actually also reported by Israel Hayom, which is one of the biggest newspapers in Israel and some other news organizations. So it's not satire. Like,
1: <laughs> So just to clarify, they will be pulling out of all territory, 48 included,
0: So according to the Guardian article, which was written by Mark Hagee, who is a longtime Palestine solidarity activist out of Montpellier, Vermont, he's saying that according to other reports, the independent board does not intend to keep doing business in Israel and that we should be aware that the statement that came out on July 19th was written by Unilever, the parent company. And that the board does not agree with that. And I've seen that reported elsewhere as well. But I think in the immediate reaction to the, the statement, everybody was taking it you know, for fact and didn't investigate further whether this was something that was supported by the board. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm taking from all of this, that they're not intending to stay in Israel at all. And, of wow. course, we will we will cite that on our website so you guys can take a look at that as well.
1: Where will they get ice cream?
0: From that knockoff brand, Judea and Samaria, Ben and Jerry's.
1: Yeah, of course. There were a couple of people who I'm um, mutuals with on TikTok who made like cut the video where it was like, well, now Palestinians can't get ice cream. And it's like they're eating ice cream in Ramallah, you know, because there's plenty yeah. of other shops. There's plenty of other Palestinian owned brands that you don't have to get Ben and Jerry's.
0: Yeah, or the best was like the Zionists who were like, well, we don't care because we have the best ice cream anyway. And it's like, well, no, you stole that from us too when we're speaking about the importance of targeted boycotts and how effective they can be, right, at actually producing change that ignites and participates in this global discussion on the nature of the apartheid state and hopefully contributing to bringing it down. Palestine Legal published an infographic called Top 10 Reasons for Student Activists to Call Palestine Legal. I think any student organizer listening to this podcast should go check out this infographic on their Instagram. It's super important to keep in mind that obviously the work that we do is going to be met with challenges, Zionists trying to shut us down, Zionists trying to silence us and make our work ineffective. But there are resources and people out there who can help you. So take a look and see if you are being faced with any of these issues. Feel free to give them a call. They're covering things like censorship. So if you and your activism for Palestinian rights are being silenced, you want to challenge it or share your story, they collect stories of censorship as well to keep a log of the censorship taking place and develop data on this. They also do Know Your Rights trainings. So if you're planning an action on campus, You want to know what your rights are, you know, for putting up a mock apartheid wall, organizing a divestment campaign or a boycott campaign or holding an event on campus. If you're being pressured by your university, for example, to cancel an event. If the speaker is being called controversial or biased, if the pro-Israel students on campus are, you know, trying to fight you on an event that you're trying to have, Palestine Legal can also help with that. If you're being bullied online, so anything related to online safety, false accusations as well of anti-Semitism or supporting terrorism, just because of your support for Palestinian rights, this is also work that they get involved with. And any disciplinary threats, discrimination, if you're being faced with discrimination by your university, because your student group is being treated differently than another group, they're really experts in all of these issues. So take a look at that. And I think this is a, it's really important to keep in mind that as activists, we have, to, we have to reach out to the broader networks and that we can't do any of this work alone. So I thought that was super helpful and especially timely in the wake of the Ben and Jerry story, because what we really want to see is a million more stories like this. And so we need activists all around the country galvanized and energized and taking the Ben and Jerry story as, as a case study and saying, hey, we're going to reproduce this with, you know, X company in our town. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can lead to more b d s successes this way,
1: yeah, and if you get tired of just traditional organizing, you can learn how to make Molotov cocktails online by watching Kwame Ture. He describes it in detail, and I know you know you you're like ah we can't we can't tell people to do that, but I want to quote George Jackson right? It is Black August right now. Read about the Soledad brothers, learn about their struggle. And I want to quote George Jackson, his prison letters. You know, I have grown very, very tired of talking and listening to talk. King and his kind have betrayed our bosom interests with their demagogic Delirium. The poor fool knows nothing of the antagonist's true nature and has not the perception to read and learn by history and past events. In a nonviolent movement, there must be a latent threat of eruption, a dormant possibility of sudden and violent action if concessions are to be won, respect gained, and the established order altered. That nonviolent theory is practicable in civilized lands among civilized people, the Asians and Africans. But a look at European history shows that anything of great value that ever changed hands was taken by force of arms.
0: I don't disagree with that statement.
1: And that harkens back to what Nicosi Mandela was saying. Right where President Mandela was the first person to put himself in harm's way. He led the organization that engaged in armed struggle. Yeah. And that is the only way that concessions were brought about.
0: The only thing I can say about this is that this isn't even just your opinion. This is the right of Palestinians under international law to struggle with arms against a foreign occupation. It's It's not even radical or revolutionary, really. Because it's the UN, it's international law, it's mainstream consensus, but people forget. And there's a lot of people working very hard day and night to make sure that people don't know this and to make sure that people don't know that we have rights and that they're responsible for violating those rights.
1: This is a part of a larger trend of the left in the United States growing more uncomfortable with the activities of the apartheid regime, right? And it also signifies how the Zionists are starting to feel that pressure. Mm -hmm. And one example of that is Nachman Shai told the American Jewish Committee, quote, if we see more of the radical left or the progressive liberal Jews continuing to support BDS and BLM as similar to the Palestinians, and they can relate it to Israel as a genocidal state or apartheid state, we may lose America, is what yeah. he said.
0: Yeah. Noam Chomsky said it literally yesterday. I was watching. There's a great conference that's being held over two days by the Institute for Palestine Studies. And if you were not able to catch it live, you can just go on YouTube. The talks have already been posted. But there was a great panel with Professor Noam Chomsky, Professor Noor Erikat. Professor Chomsky said exactly that, that now support for Israel has become a bipartisan issue. It was not a bipartisan issue historically. And so the grassroots that identify as Democrat are completely not pro-Israel. And obviously, the global intifada of unity has accelerated and exposed Israel for what it is. And so, you have now support for Israel being concentrated into right-wing spaces, including primarily the evangelicals,
1: but also the neo-Nazis as well. Yes, yes, that's
0: exactly what he said.
1: (laughs) The Proud Boys, for instance. Yes, that's why you see at the Capitol the six million aren't enough sweatshirt the Israeli flag, right? Exactly. At the same event.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And and he concluded with that as well. He said that it's an, it's a it's a neo-Nazi issue and it's a evangelical issue and that it's largely not a democratic issue anymore if we look at the issues that the people care about not the mainstream establishment right
1: we've said it before right Yeshayahu Leibowitz, judeo-nazis yeah. it's not like this is brand new
0: right so what he said was the hope for a shift in u.s policy is going to come with the pressure that activists and organizers continue to put on lawmakers to change this fundamentally biased U.S. policy towards Israel and and the funding for its grotesque apartheid regime, and that right now, this shift is happening, where if you're a Democrat, it's not, it's not, it's not cool to be pro-Israel, right? Even as an American Jew, it's it's, it's not cool to be pro-Israel, right? And, you know, the recent polls have shown that we've talked about that. So
1: this is- high key embarrassing to be in support of the occupation at this point. Yes, it really is. Someone asked me on a Q
0: and a, uh, what would it be like? Can you imagine what it would be like to be a Zionist? I was like, that's a weird question. And I go, okay, but I actually can't because it's so humiliating. It's so like, there's no way you can spin it. And they're trying, they're trying everything. They're trying all the different ways. And, but there's just, it just doesn't work, right? Everything you try fails because it's not rooted in truth and it's not rooted in justice. So they'll keep trying, but
1: it's yucky.
0: Yeah, it's yucky.
1: So Daniel Hale is a whistleblower who exposed that 90% of the murders committed by US troops using drones were of bystanders. Whistleblower Daniel Hale gave us this information, is now going to jail for 45 months. The people who ordered the drone bombings has a popular podcast on Spotify, and the other one enjoys painting in his spare time. Also, these drones and the proliferation of drone warfare is something that the apartheid occupation engages in they recently armed the Azerbaijan faction against the Armenians in the latest hostilities.
0: So Daniel Hale in 2013 was at an anti-war conference in D.C. when a man recounted that two family members had been killed in a U.S. drone strike. The Yemeni man through tears, said his relatives had been trying to encourage young men to leave Al-Qaeda. Hale realized that he watched the fatal attack from a base in Afghanistan. At the time, he and his colleagues in Air Force intelligence viewed it as a success. Now he was horrified. And it was basically these experiences that led him to leak classified information about drone warfare to a reporter after leaving the military. And that's what led to his being sentenced. And so basically, the judge was the judge says, oh, you're not being prosecuted for speaking out about the drone program killing innocent people. You could have been a whistleblower without exposing these documents. So exactly what are you blowing the whistle on?
1: You could have been a hockey player. You just never learned to skate.
0: <laughs> you could have been a whistleblower, but just don't, not about this.
1: Yeah. Hey, you could have been a revolutionary who never read a book. Hey, you could have shot someone, just no bullets, right?
0: 90%. That's like, let that marinate. That is an insane figure
1: nine out of 10 people who were just standing around. What do we, is that what we have a term for that? I think we call that mass murder, right? War crimes.
0: Yes. And, and remember, this is, this is what's insane is because all of this is so wrapped up in this like very pro military culture that we have in the United States, support the troops, support the troops, you know, veterans, all this, but that's what they're doing. So it's like, you can't participate in that culture. Fourth of July is a part of it. All of this, you know, celebration of warfare, it's all a part of it. And then to know things like this, and by the way, this story, it's not even going to like shock anybody or change anything. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, it'll be printed in an article and some people will read it and that's fine, but it's not going to create this cultural shift to combat the intense pro-militaristic worldview that emanates out of the United States. But yeah. it should, but it should, because, because what he revealed was that we're just killing people that have nothing to do with anything, almost all the time. And that's what we're spending trillions of dollars on instead of healthcare and education and roads and making the U.S. better and trying to prevent climate change and the you know impeding destruction of the entire world. Yeah, the military, we have to say, the military is the largest reason, right, for climate change.
1: Yeah, I'm not a money guy, but that seems like a good investment to me. Oh, man. What do you need schools for if you're going to blow them up anyway, huh?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, you got a point there. Hey.
1: Hard to argue. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's NATO logic is what you that don't was. You
0: not need to invest in schools because <laughs> we're not going to, you're not going to get to keep the schools anyways. No, I mean, honestly, that, that's a very shocking story. That's a yeah. very, very shocking story. And it should shock the conscience of every American. And I hope more people will continue to talk about it and really, really wrestle with what what it represents. And what it represents for how the world sees us. Because these these are things that are happening to people who then know that their family members were killed by the United States government. This is what people think about us.
1: There's also Chelsea Manning, right, who yeah. released a ton of documents that led to the WikiLeaks story. The United States has a long history of whistleblowers revealing classified information, and then that information having an impact on public opinion, the most famous of which is obviously Daniel Ellisberg, who leaked the Pentagon Papers, and it changed the way that people thought about U.S. military intervention abroad and led, you know, there were already protests against the war, but it really galvanized the anti-war effort across a bunch of different sections of society. And so I think what Lara is talking about is this is a story with the magnitude of information that the Pentagon Papers had But I think just because of the amount of stimulus that we're constantly exposed to, that we've become desensitized to this type of information. And so it will not have the same impact to galvanize against militarism as it did in the 70s. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you're absolutely right. People, it's system overload. You get to a point where there's just so much bad news that it becomes difficult to process everything and to react to everything and to give everything its space. So in advance of this Washington visit, Neftali Bennett actually came out and pledged growth of settlements, right? This was reported by the Jerusalem Post. And what's I think crazy about this meeting is anybody looking to this as if it's going to produce any results in support of Palestinian liberation or Palestinian rights, right? It's You know, the audacity to say, hey, I'm going to the U.S., a country which is completely financing our illegal policies, and I'm not even going to hide the fact that we are engaged in illegal land theft. I'm going to actually double down and say, yeah, we're going to keep doing that and we're going to accelerate it in pursuit of this greater Israel project to take as much land as possible with as little Palestinians as possible on that land. It's so... Ugh, it just gives me such gr You know what I mean? It's just so I don't even have the word for it. So crass. It's so, so violent. It's so blatant.
1: It's very sinister.
0: Yeah, that's the word. It's extremely sinister. And, you know, Biden, we're not looking to him to free Palestine. We've talked about that before. He's continuing Obama's legacy, being very pro-Israel, but also trying to look like this guy who, you know, has a solution, but not really. We know he didn't move the embassy back from Jerusalem. We know that Biden has said that it would be weird to condition aid to Israel. We know that he is vehemently opposed to the proceedings that are taking place at the International Criminal Court.
1: Biden got motion sickness when he heard from the river to the sea. Yeah. <laughs> he said he said, "Hey, hey, slow down, partner." Uh, uh, let me take a seat here.
0: So on the one hand, you have that guy, right, who has been totally anesthetized and is just has not even put a grain of rice of pressure on Israel to do anything to support the slightest bit of improvement in Palestinian life. Like, okay just like lighten the siege a bit of Gaza, you know, just let the chocolate come in. Did you see that article? About how yeah. they they seized shipments of chocolate and they banned the entry of chocolate into Gaza. That was reported everybody, like a week ago.
1: Everybody knows Hamas loves chocolate, right? It's what they, Hamas, Hamas is fueled by chocolate. That's what it's, they
0: said. That's what that's what Israel said. <laughs> oh, that's really? Damn! Said.
1: I can't even do satire anymore. No.
0: Because they said, that's what they, they, exactly what Israel said. Because they,
1: they beat me to the punch.
0: They said that they seized the, the tons of chocolate that were set to enter Gaza because they knew, uh, allegedly, that Hamas relies on chocolate for funding.
1: Uh, everybody knows they've got a sweet tooth, huh? It's rockets they made in their kitchen and chocolate.
0: I mean, look, if anyone's reporting on these talks as if they're supposed to be like different you know, or, or, oh, well, let's see what comes out of these talks. There might be some, you know, commentary like that, which is absolutely meaningless. Just know that that's, that's not at all the case. You have a guy who's promising to continue and accelerate land theft. And you have another guy who's like, hands off, keep writing checks, keep doing what you're doing. Everything is weird. You know, if I try to stop you, that'd be weird. That's, that's what, that's what Biden said. So
1: yeah it is weird huh it <laughs> is so weird to stop apartheid and murdering children that's weird yeah, it is weird, hey, so. but you know what's not weird is funding that with a blank check that's that's yeah, cool totally apparently. cool, totally cool, yeah, hey, let's think about some more things that are weird, you know, <laughs> yeah. like stopping stopping world hunger, maybe yeah, that's so weird, weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I agree.
1: Maybe maybe cracking down on uh you know child trafficking. That'd I was just weird. gonna say
0: human trafficking. I was just yeah. gonna say
1: Well that's actually something that the, the 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 apartheid does a lot. So that's why I mentioned it.
0: Yeah. So hey, I don't know what we're gonna leave you guys with for this week, but uh
1: something weird.
0: <laughs> something weird. Come back next week. No, it should be good. We've got some great guests for the next couple of weeks.
1: Hey guys, that's been another episode of the Palestine podcast. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening shout out to the people who like comment subscribe leave reviews everything like that we so appreciate it hey shout out to that bamya convert right we got somebody who was previously anti-bamya to be pro bamya and i guess it's really all about having it cooked right
0: I don't know that I want to be known as responsible for putting out content that converts people on Bamiya. Ah. I myself have not been converted, but I have, you know, I sent one of my friends who's a listener of the show, actually, after she heard those episodes, she sent me Bamiya seeds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've got them. I actually am growing it now on my balcony.
1: That's pretty tight.
0: Yeah. She likes it. So
1: now the responsibility lies entirely on you to execute. Yes.
0: Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you know. Maybe when we do our Patreon and we start cooking together.
1: Oh, yeah, guys, (laughs) we are going to be introducing merch as well. It's going to be T-shirts that say the Palestine pod in different logos. We will be featuring those. On our website, we'll post some promotional material. And we are also going to be starting a <laughs> Patreon, okay, <laughs> where we provide a little bit of extra content in sort of a more relaxed, open forum discussion yeah. like this right here, where it may be about Palestine, but it may be about anything else. And it's just kind of us chatting, having a good old time. And for some of our premium, premium, subscribers we will have monthly zooms where oh. you can hang out with us a little power hour yeah. right have a drink if you're not a muslim you know what i mean do we whatever
0: drink liquids we can drink no, other
1: no muslims are not allowed to drink i heard i read about it. <laughs> I'm
0: not pretty, to I, drink. they only can eat solids no,
1: solids yeah that's, <laughs> y'all gotta y'all gotta take water through ice that's what i read
0: Oh, and, yeah. That's the that core, core tenet that of religion. Is,
1: that is my understanding of Sharia law, and that's why I'm making videos about what's happening in Afghanistan that's right now. Because exactly. I'm informed.
0: America. Yeah. In a <laughs> nutshell.
1: <laughs> you can't really sum up America in a nutshell because you can't fit a handgun inside of a nutshell. That's. <laughs> <laughs> right. maybe maybe one of the bullets who knows yeah. anyways reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com follow us at the Palestine Pod on instagram and then we will upload all of our sources and episodes to www.palestinepod.com eventually thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Palestine Pod. Have a great day.
0: As I've been following what's been going on in Afghanistan and a lot of the social media activism from the big accounts, they are complaining of very heavy censorship as well the Afghan activists that I'm following. And so it seems like it's just moving from, you know, cause to cause, depending on whatever has the world's attention at a given moment. It's like, you know, you always say it's like whack-a-mole. That's totally what it is with like U.S. imperialism. Ah, no, don't tell the world about this. Oh, no, we can't let people find out about that.
1: They can't censor everybody all the time, right? Right. There's There's only a certain amount of people who work the censor.
0: I hope this edits better than it sounds or feels right now.
1: Well, now I got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs>